Welcome to My Ed Expert, specializing in what's possible in education. By merging research, practice, and passion, we provide insights from top educational thought leaders for right now implementation. Now, here's your host, author Susie Pepper Rollins. I am so glad you joined us today. Actually, I'm super glad you joined us. I'm beyond glad because this is a, a topic I'm particularly passionate about. It's the opening minutes. If we get those opening minutes really hit that out of the park, students are going to have probably a really great day in class today. They're so powerful. Let's talk a little bit first from the student's perspective. What is it like to be in a desk and have people ask you to do something all day long that you don't know how to do? It's risky business. We're asking our students to come on in and jump in this pool with us, to take a chance with us. And the brain may be telling them, hey, you may, I don't know about this. You know, this seeming like, I don't know. So the opening minutes set this, set this up for success so that they're going to jump on in the pool with us and try. Think about their day. They go to English language arts and we're asking them to explain a piece of poetry. Well, that's pretty risky, isn't it? What if my answer, what if my interpretation is a little bit different than yours? And now we go to math. Oh, we've got something new. I'm, I don't maybe have the hang of it yet. Uh, I'm trying to provide my answer. I'm a little worried it might not be right. Now we go to PE and we're going to learn how to serve a volleyball or we're going to go out and run, which by the way, I've broken my arm twice trying to be a runner and no one pushed me. There were no police incidents filed. I just can't seem to run and not hurt myself. So that's particularly risky for me. So all day long, we're asking students to come on into the pool and learn about the water cycle, learn about slope, learn about poetry. And, and so from their perspective, in the, in the opening of class, that's why it's so hugely important. Their brains are trying to assess this situation and say, all right, am I going to be okay at this? Am I going to be successful? Should I go ahead and give this a try? Two things happen in the opening minutes that really set students off on motivation or unfortunately demotivation. The first thing is their brain is trying to ascertain their propensity for success. If I go ahead and try this with you, am I going to be okay? So that's the first thing. Number two is, is this task valuable? Does it matter if I try this? That's why we want those opening minutes to have a lot of purpose and value and connect to students. The opening minutes are not very long. I mean, I usually put a 10% of the lesson thing, but it might be less. So it's not a particularly long time. So we're looking for strategies that really pull all kids in, help them get going, want everybody to be successful. I call mine success starters, but I don't want to get hung up on what we call them. It's really more about what the purpose is in those opening minutes. One of the things we're talking about here is self-efficacy. Now, self-efficacy is very different than self-esteem or overall self-confidence. What self-efficacy means is the student is the relationship with that task. Okay, you're asking me to do this. What is my brain telling me? It's my own perception based on my years of experience of how I'm going to do in fractions today, how I'm going to do in volleyball today. So they're looking at that task and the brain is sort of ascertaining their, their, their chance of success. So why I like to talk about that is there's a connection between self-efficacy and hard work. A connection between self-efficacy and perseverance, overcoming. So it's a real important thing to get to. And self-efficacy is, is, is linked to success, obviously. When they start feeling success, they want more success. So let's first talk about the, some of the things why the opening minutes are so hugely important. 
first thing I want to talk about with this is prior knowledge. Prior knowledge. Did you know prior knowledge is more important than IQ? It is the number one indicator of success in the classroom. That's according to John Hattie and Yates. It's, it outweighs IQ, learning styles, anything, prior knowledge. Did you know prior knowledge is also the main determinant of comprehension? Because we have that relationship with the text and we're connecting our prior knowledge to the text. We attach it. Did you know that prior knowledge helps us learn faster? Did you know with a little prior knowledge, we can take a student from the 50th percentile all the way to the 70th percentile? That's from Marzano, 75th percentile. That's from Marzano. Prior knowledge is hugely important. What's a ch- one of our many challenges as educators is I may have 30 students in my class and they all have different banks of prior knowledge. So the opening minutes provide this little window where we can get them a little prior knowledge with their partners and their teams and talk about civilizations or taxes or angles or perimeter so that we all get a little prior knowledge because without prior knowledge, it's almost impossible to learn. Okay. So the number one thing in, in an opener is we want to establish a little bit of prior knowledge. Another thing that's super important about this, and this is called primacy recency, and this research has been around for a really long time. We tend to remember what happens first in a learning episode. If someone's giving a lecture in college as well, this goes all the way through college. So the opening 10, 12 minutes, we really remember a great deal of that. And then we sort of bottom out. So the opening minutes are the part of the class more than any other part the students are probably going to remember. So that's the second reason prior knowledge and primacy recency that we really want to think about in terms of constructing these. Now, I mentioned this in my second book, but let's think about the time. Okay. Do a little math, do a little mental math. If we spent 15 minutes a day on an opener or warm up, and then we go over homework, whatever we have, and we have 180 days of school, that's 45 hours of instructional time that have been carved out for openers. But I'm just talking about one class. What if a student has six classes? We're talking about that time six. It's a tremendous amount of time. It's probably close to 300 hours of instructional time over the course of a year. So are we maximizing our time for these openers? Are we really getting our bang for our buck on that? Okay. Let's step back a minute into time because this comes up when I'm having conversations in schools. Sometimes we get these instructional practices that sort of embed themselves in our buildings and we don't even know where they came from. It's kind of ground robin reading. Who thought that up? Warm-ups, do-nows, where did they come from? I'm talking about the passive, put something on the board, get them busy kind of thing. That's a classroom management technique, okay? That came from what we all know as teachers and leaders, as in the opening minutes, we have some administrative tasks to take care of, right? We got to get role taken. We got to go on the computer and take role. Somebody's at the door and needs us. We got to manage the can drive or whatever else. Some kids have to go get water. So what started happening It was this idea of get something, anything on the board and get kids busy, get them out of the halls so that we could take care of this administrative task. Now, let's think that's very problematic, right? Because I'm trying to now just get something up there that they can do on their own. So what's going to happen to the rigor or what might happen to the rigor, right? So we don't want to have this sort of low-level passive thing right out of the gate. The opening minutes are hugely important, right? 
But here's the thing. We can do something thought-provoking, exciting, tap into prior knowledge, get everybody super excited about the lesson, and I can check my role. Okay, It doesn't have to be a passive thing that's a classroom management kind of an idea in order to, to you to have some something great. Okay. So that just wanted to backtrack and let everybody kind of know where this started. And what started happening is these got longer and longer and longer. So if we were doing that sort of a do now, and now we go over homework, we might spend 20 minutes. We might spend 25 minutes. And the best part of learning that best part of time where the kids are really ready to go. We've hate to use the word squandered, but a little bit of that great learning time. Okay. So what we want to do in the opening minutes, we want to establish our learning target, get students to tap into their prior knowledge or get a little prior knowledge if they don't have any, get motivated for learning, get their intellectual curiosity going, because you know what? We can't even be curious about something without prior knowledge. I don't even know enough to to even be curious about what you're talking about. That's how important these opening minutes are. So, Let's talk a little bit about the three kinds, all right? And these are my sort of things. You're welcome to use them. This is over time and experience and research. There are three kinds of, I call them success starters. You can call them openers. And let's not get bogged down by what we call them. It's really what the purpose is, all right? So we have unit openers. We have lesson openers. And we have bridge openers. So when we're creating our lessons, or if you're a leader and you're walking in classrooms, I can almost tell right away where we are, right? For example, if we're opening a new unit, which might be, so we're going to be on this unit for three weeks or something, that's going to, they don't have a lot of prior knowledge, right? So I've got to dig, I've got to come up with something to get us embarking on this unit. For example, let me give you some ideas. If we are studying the Trail of Tears, a tragic part of American history, I might have an open-ended question like this. With your partner, talk about this question. When is it acceptable for the government to see someone else's land? Okay, and just let them percolate on that because we're going to be talking about the Trail of Tears where land was taken. If we're going to be at Stay With Social Studies, if we're going to be embarking on a unit on federalism, kids have never heard the word. They don't have prior knowledge of that. I might have them go in teams and brainstorm and brainstorm everything you've seen in government in the last week. Could be paying taxes, could be a traffic ticket, could be elected officials you saw on television, could be getting a marriage license. Well, hopefully our kids are getting marriage licenses. And now we organize that and they put it in sort of sort of a structure. And then when we kick off our unit, we say, well, you know what? That structure, yeah, it's called federalism. Let's go to the math classroom. If we're going to be embarking on a unit on angles, we're just starting it, right? They don't have a lot of prior knowledge. I can just copy and paste pictures of angles on bicycle tires and buildings and all around. And the students look at these pictures with their partner and how are they alike? How are they different? What do you see in these angles? If it's a student's first exposure to integers, I might have them do a sort. What do you think is positive? What do you think is negative? Things like depositing money in your account. That's probably going to be positive, right? withdrawing money from your account. That might be negative. So we talk about this concept of positive and negative. Let me give an example of one of my lessons. I actually have this poster on my expert. Anybody's welcome to use it. It's my, it's my masterpiece lesson. It's all about the cotton gin, but I don't want to start with the cotton gin because I just told kids, if I just got in class and said, hey kids, how about that cotton gin? What do you think about that Eli Whitney? They would just tune me out. So what I do is I start with their cell phones. 
And I have them in groups talk about how that one invention has changed the world, how it's changed their culture, how it's changed our economy, all the changes in the cell phone. So they go to town on that. So I'm trying to establish in their minds that, hey, inventions really can't impact us, right? Now, the next thing, and I admit this is a little sneaky. Now I have a picture of the cotton gin. I said, well, we're going to be talking about an invention from a different time, but you're going to be doing the same thing. You're going to be determining the impact of this invention on our culture and on our economy. The end of that lesson, students have to come up with uh, their own ideas about which invention changed the world the most, the cell phone or the cotton gin. So that would be a, a, a big opener. Now let's talk about lesson openers. That would be an opener. That would be a unit opener for inventions. Lesson openers are going to be a little bit shorter. It's not, it's, uh, they have a little bit of momentum going. It's not the first day of our unit. For example, if we're going to be talking about decimals, we might have uh, an example of a menu from a local menu with decimals on there. Um, if we're talking about perimeter, I might have pictures of perimeter from out in the world. We might go on a scavenger hunt around the building about perimeter. So we have a unit le- uh, opener and a lesson opener. The third is a bridge, which we do naturally as teachers anyway. A bridge means, hey, I was teaching this yesterday and the day before. We're continuing on. So this is a shorter opener, but I, we do that instinctively as teachers. For example, if we're reading a story, we're mid, midway through a story, we might talk about which characters connect to you the most. If we were staying with perimeter, if we were teaching that yesterday, uh, we might find three things in the classroom that have perimeter. All right. So we're going to bridge from yesterday. So when I'm in classrooms, I'm looking for, is it a unit? Is it a lesson? Is it a bridge opener? But remember, it's purposeful. Okay. This is, it's not about, you know, how much time or what we call it. it it's what the purpose. Now, this question comes up frequently. What do we do about homework? When do we go over homework? That's a tricky question because what we know about homework is students are more likely to do that homework if we give them some feedback. Makes sense, right? But if I try to do that on top of this in the, in the beginning, I'm going to spend so much time on this in the beginning that I may not have time in my lesson to really immerse them in the new content. So here are some strategies I use. One I'll do is I'll have students take out their homework, put it on the corner of your desk, highlight something you feel like is a real strength of yours, and highlight in another color something you'd like us to talk about so that they're looking at their homework. Now, I'm going to tell students, I'm going to come look at that during your work period. That way, I'm, I'm not up here teaching now. I can come out and look at you and have a conversation with you. In math particularly, I will do a number line, and let's say we have eight problems, so it'll say one to eight. And I'll give them a little sticky dot. We make a bar graph. Hey, guys, when you walk in the class, put a dot on the homework problem that you think we really, really, really need to talk about this morning. So I can look over at my student date and say, hey, guys, let's talk about number seven and put the rest of your paper on the left-hand side of your desk. And I'm going to swing by and take a look at that. So there are things we can do to give feedback on homework. But if we fill all those opening minutes with homework and all this, then, then we're really, how much time are we going to have? And let's talk about homework on another level. One student, this homework was so easy. They did it on the bus. Two students can't find it. One of them needs to go to their locker. One of them's dumping out his backpack and one of them's trying to call his congressman. Okay. So the whole thing that goes around homework is pretty messy. So let's try to find some, from some strategies to deal with that. Now I'm going to tell you some things we have on our site that you're you really, it will help you on this. Again, don't get bogged down into what you're calling these. I call them success starters. Sometimes I call them activators. Sometimes I call them hooks. Uh, 
I'm not a big fan of the do now. That kind of has that feeling of just do something. So let me tell you some things we have. We have some fabulous experts. Like Christina Smeckens, she calls her bell ringers. They're wonderful. They're for English language arts. Uh, her last name is S-M-E-K-E-N-S. I'll put her on the homepage. And those are lesson and bridge openers. These are free downloads and they're wonderful. She has pictures kids respond to, all kinds of great things for English language arts. Angela Stockman has some things she calls fire starters, a different name that are wonderful. You can listen to that. You can look at her section and, and just download those. It's free download. And uh, Laurel Schmidt, uh, who works in inquiry-based learnings, the Socratic method, she has something I love on hers. That I'm going to link where the students draw their brain, draw their head. I kind of remember what they're, and they, they dump it out. It's a whole strategy she's got. Then they sequence it. That's a really cool one that I'm going to put up there too. A great, another free download. I have my alpha brainstorming up there, which is a, just a go-to. We don't want to overuse that one. It's one you might use twice a month where the students, hey, from A to Z, tell me everything you know about taxes. From A to Z, tell me everything you know about Africa. From A to Z. And, again, and that's a good one to just kind of as a standby to use. For math peeps, especially secondary, there's a podcast we did. It's episode 11. Dennis Sheeran, who wrote a book on relevance. He has um, some really good things in that podcast that you might like uh, math people, particularly high school math, on some things to do there. So some next steps. All right. In our buildings, this is really something we got to talk about. What is the expectation in your building for opening minutes? I mean, what do you want the opening minutes? When I'm doing walks, I want to hear the learning target and I want to see what are we doing and why. The best question a student can ever ask is why in the world are we doing this? That's that's the opening minutes. I want to pull them in. As opposed to just managing kids and doing this sort of classroom management technique that crept in years ago into education, we want to connect them to new learning because this will help them be motivated, help them want to work. All right, so... Don't want to end this podcast without thanking you for everything you do in your classroom every single day. Oh my gosh, you're the most important person in the world. And so thanks for everything you do to keep your kids motivated, inspired. Uh, I'm going to put links to our website so you can grab these resources if you need them. And thanks so much for listening. We are so glad you joined us on this episode of My Ed Expert. For more resources on the ever-evolving realm of education, head on over to myedexpert.com and get inspired by all of our author's work through downloads, strategies, and best practices. While you're there, hop on to get updates right to your inbox because you don't want to miss a thing right here on My Ed Expert.